I thank you for those here, and I thank you for your presence that is here. And I just ask that you'd give me the words to say, and I ask that we would retain all the information that you're given to us, and that it will produce fruit and change in our lives. God, I just ask that you would really unlock people today. Um, if we're locked up inside or whatever it is, I just ask that you would overcome um, everything that we're struggling with. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. If you want to open your Bibles to Genesis 32. <clears throat> Genesis 32. This is the easiest you'll ever have looking up a Bible verse. It's the first book. It's Genesis. It's not hidden between weird names like Nahum and Habakkuk or Haggai. It's right there at the very beginning. So Genesis chapter 32, and um, I'm going to read this, and then we're just going to jump into it. Um, how many remember that, that song, It's the Time of the Season for Loving, the oldies song? Is it the Mamas and Papas or someone like that did it? Anyway. It's like, what's your name? Who's your daddy? That's the title of the message today, right? I get that thought in my head. And, and so I hear that, what's your name and who's your daddy? And we're going to talk about that today. And so in Genesis chapter 32, verse 24, so you can remember the, the sermon message when you leave. You can sing that song. Oh, you know what? After service, impromptu grilling. We're going to put some grills outside. You can go to the grocery store, get burgers and dogs for your family, and we're just going to hang out if you want to, all right? I know we kind of just put the word of mouth out, and this is a last-minute thing, so you got to eat lunch. Don't go uh, hang out at churches by yourself or wherever you go eat. Hang out here, and uh, you just bring the food. We'll cook it on the grill. What? Yeah, we're going to have fun here and hang out, so I just want to say that before I got, got in, in any further. Genesis 32, verse 24. It says, so Jacob was alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with a man. Like the angel was taking a disadvantage to, to Jacob, giving Jacob disadvantage. I can't whip this guy, so I'm going to break his hip. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so the man says, let me go. for It's time for daybreak. I'm supposed to be back in heaven, wherever I'm supposed to be. And Jacob says, I'm not letting go of you unless you bless me. So the man asked him, what's your name? And he had to say, Jacob. Now, I don't, you know, when you read this story, I believe that there's a whole lot that happened between that, what's your name, and when Jacob actually said what his name was. Because how many knows what the word Jacob means? Trickster, deceiver, liar, manipulator. So this angel is here, and he's wrestled with this angel all night. To the point where Jacob's hip is messed up, and you'll find out the rest of his life, he walks with a limp from this time. And he says, I'm not letting go of you until you bless me. I want a blessing. I don't want to be this thing that I am anymore. I hate myself. My brother Esau wants to kill me. No one likes me. No one trusts me. I can't even make deals down at the market because my name's not worth anything. He says, so please bless me. And the man says, what's your name? And he has to stop. And he has to tell him, my name's Jacob. I'm a liar. I'm a deceiver. I'm the master manipulator. For the rest of history, when people say, Jacob, you're going to think of deceiver. I mean, that's just right. You hear someone, for some reason, you think what people's names mean. You hear Jacob, that just comes to my mind immediately. Because biblically, that's who Jacob was known as. So he tells the angel, my name is Jacob. And I believe that he immediately was filled with shame and remorse for who he was as a person. Right? So he says, my name is Jacob. And the man looks at him and says, your name is no longer Jacob. But I'm giving you a new name. Your name is Israel. For you have wrestled with both God and with men, and you have won. He gave him a completely new name, right? 
I want to finish reading this out. And Jacob says, please tell me your name. And the guy's like, uh, I can't tell you my name. Why do you, why do you ask? And then the man blessed him. The angel blessed him there. So Jacob called that place Peniel, saying, I saw the face of God face to face, and yet I lived. Now, in biblical times, names were very important. It's not so much in our culture now. Now, when Mandy and I name our kids, it's important to us. We specifically named our children according to what we feel God's destiny is for their life. That's why we named Josiah and Matthias. Josiah is is, um, uh, fire of God, and Matthias is gift of God. And that's just what we feel like, you know, there and, and there is callings upon their life. We name them specifically. <clears throat> I wanted to name Matthias his name, even though it's really a strange name. You don't hear it very often um, because he was the 13th disciple. He was the one who replaced Judas when Judas betrayed Jesus and and, and all the stuff happened and Judas went and killed himself. They had to have an, a, a disciple to take his place. And so they found one who was counted faithful. He was there from the beginning. And so I said, that's an awesome name. And in this time that we're living in now where the apostolic and, and, and the kingdom of God is coming to earth, I want Matthias to be known as a disciple. And so we named our kids according to that way. But for the most part in, in our culture, it's kind of trendy. Like we look up on Yahoo, what are the top five names for the boys? And, and did you know that Jacob's always in the top five names for boys? Kind of funny segue here but anyway we what's what's trending right now you know i think a couple years ago the girl name was like emma and stuff like that i guess because all the people who liked friends were were naming their kids emma after rachel and ross's baby and all you know how it goes it just goes in cycles but in biblical times they didn't just name their kids names because they thought it was a cool name like habakkuk is really a cool name dude it was the name top five on the list they didn't do it for that reason they did it because they were speaking destiny and identity over their children Whenever a significant thing would even happen in biblical times, they would name the place they were at. As in the story we read here, Jacob named that place Peniel. And the word Peniel meant, I've seen Jesus, or I've seen God face to face, and I didn't get killed. So when they would come to places and there was a a battle or a triumph or a victory, they would name the place that they were at. Even if it had another name, they would give it a new name that had meaning to it and and change the identity of the location. All right? Abram was... Abraham was Abram before he had an encounter with God. And God added the, the A-H in his name, which represented God coming into, into him through promise and through fulfillment of a promise and made him fruitful when he didn't have any children. Sarah, Sarah's name had no H on the end of it. God added the name H to the end of it to represent God intervening and making her prosperous and having children. You can read all through scripture, Saul, before, he, uh, before Paul became Paul, he was Saul. He was the murderer of Christians. He was the one who everyone was scared of. He rode the biggest horse and he had the baddest guns and he would ride into town and everyone would hide from him. But when he had an encounter with Jesus, Jesus changed his name from Saul to Paul. Peter's name was Cephas. <laughs> what a horrible name. What's up, Cephas? <laughs> it's like a made-up name on, on Chappelle show or something, right? It's just a horrible name. Like, Cephas, what is that? And, 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 and Jesus said, I'm not calling you Cephas anymore. Your name is Peter because your name now means rock. Dude, Jesus has this thing about changing people's names. And because it's, it's important for you to understand that the name represents your identity, all right? It revealed your purpose, and it told who you were supposed to be. You know, in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16, we quote this scripture all the time. It says, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ that way, we don't do that anymore. Therefore, if anyone... 
is in Christ. He's a new creation. The old is gone and all things have been made new. All this comes from God who reconciled us to himself through Jesus. When you and I say yes to Jesus, the first thing that happens is he gives us a completely new identity. Completely new name. I want you to really follow me today because God's trying to give us as a church a new identity. And we're in that state like we've been wrestling with God. I know Mandy and I, we've been wrestling with God over our church because we want to be a church that doesn't just say we believe stuff about God, but we experience it. And so we're wrestling with this thing. And it's like God's asking us, well, what's your name right now? And we have to tell him, shamefaced, <laughs> I am this. And the Lord says, I'm going to give you a new name. You're going to have a completely new identity, all right? We can no longer allow the labels and the things that happen in our life to become our identity. Please listen to me today, all right? Is anyone hot? Everyone fine? Punch your neighbor and say, say you got to get this today, all right? Seriously. We are not sinners anymore. We're righteous and we're holy people. You're like, but I sin a lot. That's not your name. When we sin, we are not sinners. We're sinning. There's a big difference. The thing that happens so often is when we do something over and over again, people tend to call us something. If we lie a lot, people call us a liar. If we, if we go back on our word or this or that, we're, we're known for that. People put labels on us and they call us a name. Although that's what we're doing, that's not who we are. And as believers, we've got to stop calling ourselves names that Jesus didn't give us and God didn't give us. Our identity is not found in the behavior we have at this present moment. Our identity is found in who Jesus says we are through the cross. It's not, you're not a sinner anymore just because you sinned. Don't call yourself that. One of the things through the purity class that we learn is, is um, in, in today's age, there's, you know, the homosexual agenda, it's just grown. And it's completely different than in my father's time period. Now it's more just let's experiment and let's try everything. It's not really that I'm really a homosexual and I don't like, you know, I just, I just like sex and I don't care. To be completely honest, it's really different from our fathers and our grandfathers' age, where it was a it was a bit different. Now it's let's experiment, let's try everything, let's find out, you know. And so what happens is is a, if a kid comes to us and they say, "Man, I'm, I'm having homosexual thoughts or bisexual thoughts or this or that," we immediately, "You're a homosexual." No, they're not. They're having homosexual thoughts. That's not who they are. If our child tells us a lie over and over again at home and we say, stop being a liar, what we're doing is we're giving an identity to them that doesn't belong to our child. What happens is, whatever we believe our identity is about ourselves, our behavior will line up with that. So if, if I come to my, my father and I say, man, I'm having these really crazy thoughts and he gives me an instant label, what will happen is I will begin to believe the label he gave me and it will continue the actions that are in my life that line up with what he says. Identity is such a big deal. And right now we're in an identity crisis. We're Christians, but we think we still have sinful natures. We're Christians, but we think that we're still evil people. That we can't really want good things and can't really think good thoughts. And the Lord says the identity crisis has to shift today. You're a new creation. Ephesians 5 verse 8 and 9 and 10 says you were once in darkness, but now you are light. You're not children of darkness anymore. We are all children of light. He says, live as children of the light. 
For the fruit of the light consists in goodness and righteousness and truth, and you find out what pleases the Lord. See, labels become identities if we add faith to them. Personal testimony. I was, I was always really like this really faithful person, right? And um, growing up, I had a long-term girlfriend. Just not getting into the whole story, it doesn't matter. But in that, I cheated on, the, on my girlfriend, completely just straight up honest. And the term came, once a cheat, always a cheat. Anyone ever heard that one before? And that's not at all in my nature. It's never been in my nature. But I begin to believe that about myself. And I think a lot of people in the room, we got, we've gone through a season in our life where we did stupid stuff. And in that season, people said stuff about us and put labels on us. And we begin to believe what they said about us. And we begin to act out what we believed about ourselves. And the Lord wants to break the identity that, that's wrong off of you and wants to give you a completely new name, completely new identity. See, he gave us a new purpose, a new, a new uh, a destiny, a new name. The key to this is for us to stay in right relationship with the Father, stay connected to Him. I want to say this before we get into one more thing. Our identity sets the boundaries for our lives. Listen to this. What you believe about yourself will set the boundaries for your life and will dictate how people view you and how people treat you. If you think you're not worth anything, then you will set boundaries. You will have no boundaries, basically. And it will tell people that you're not worth anything, and so people will treat you like you're worthless. Your identity sets boundaries for you. But if you really believe that you're awesome, and it's okay, and if you really believe that you have value, and that you're important, then you will put boundaries around your life that says, I am important, and you can't do this to me. This is a boundary I've set. Then it will change how people react to us because of what we believe about ourselves. Some of us grew up in homes where there weren't any boundaries. And it's hard for us to learn how to set boundaries. Like you could just eat off of anyone's plate and you could drink off of anyone's drink and you could sleep in anyone's bed. At night it was just like, you know, one kid would be in this bed, the next night it would be flip-flopped, everyone's sleeping all around the house, right? And there was no boundaries. I'm not making fun of that, but what it does is if we're not careful is that thinking will go over into everything where nothing belongs to us, where all of a sudden... That's not Josiah's toy. That's my toy, and I can have access to anything I want because there are no boundaries in the home. Some of us grew up where there weren't boundaries. There weren't things set up. The easiest way to fix that is to find out who you are, to ask God to show you your identity because your identity will immediately put boundaries on your life. It will begin to protect. You put boundaries up to protect what's inside and to keep evil things outside, right? And the Lord wants today for us to begin to set good boundaries for our life. But we can't do that if, we, if we're still in this identity crisis and we don't know who we are. Everybody good? So what was Jacob asking for in our original story? Was he even asking for a name change? He didn't care. He just wanted to be blessed. He just wanted things to go better for him. He really didn't care what his name was. He just wanted a blessing. And in biblical times, blessings went hand in hand with names, went hand in hand with inheritances. When a child would reach a certain age in biblical times, they would be given an inheritance from their father. 
The oldest child received the biggest inheritance and on and on and on down. The oldest male child received the biggest blessing in biblical times. And then each one after that would have a blessing. The blessing followed your identity. It followed the name. So Jacob is coming to this angel and he's saying, just bless me. Give me an inheritance. Change, change the things that are happening to me. Give me a new destiny. But the angel said to him, what's your name? Because you can't have favor, blessing, increase, or an inheritance until your name is proper. Everybody good? In Galatians 4, verse 1 through 7, I'm going to read all this through this pretty quick and we'll close everything out. It says, what I am saying is that as long as the, as the person who's receiving the inheritance is a child, he's no different than a servant. Although he owns everything in the estate, he is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were children, we were in slavery under sins and basic principles of this world. But when the time had fully come... God sent his son, Jesus, born of a woman under the law, to redeem those under the law. Excuse me, that we might receive the full rights as sons. Now, because you are sons and daughters, God sent his spirit into our hearts. And he cries out, Daddy, Father. So you are no longer a servant, but a son or a daughter. And since you are a son or a daughter, you also have an inheritance. How many in this room will be completely honest and you've been in a place where you're like, God, bless me. I need blessing. <laughs> I need something to change. Things just aren't working right now. I hear the Lord saying to you today, I'll bless you, but before I want to give you a new name. I want to give you a new name first. I want to change who you think you are. I want to change how you view yourself. I want to shift the boundaries that are on your life that, that are attached to bad thinking in your heart. The Lord wants to bless you. You know, Jonathan read it this morning, Jeremiah 29, 11. That's God's destiny for everyone plans to prosper you not to harm you plans for hope in a future that's his goal for your life but if we don't believe that we deserve that we will never access the blessing right the blessing outlined what the child would have inherited and what they were to steward from that point on the blessing was a prophetic word over the child they would go into their father and they would say hey i've reached the age of maturity or the father would call him and say hey you're ready my son, come in here, and I'm going to bless you. And the father would lay hands on the son or, or, or the daughter, and he would bless him. In other words, he would prophesy over them what their life was going to be like from then on. He would begin to just speak blessing and favor over their life. And it was connected to their name, and it would bring fulfillment to their destiny. The blessing empowered their identity. Hello? You all okay? The blessing empowered the identity. You can't have one without the other. Right? Jacob did not get blessed from this angel until his name was no longer Jacob, but it became Israel. And we were told to pray by Jesus and, and Matthew to pray on earth as it is in heaven. Anyone heard that prayer from the Lord's Prayer? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want you to know right now that in heaven, the Father has a purpose for you and he wants it to be done on earth as it is in heaven. The things that are in his heart for you in heaven, he wants you to see it happen here on the earth. See, eternal life isn't just about when you die, you go to heaven. It's about the moments that we spend on this earth, even though it's just a flash in, 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 you know, in the scale of eternity. He wants us to have a good life here. He wants us to prosper. He wants us to have an inheritance. He wants things to go well for us. But before that can happen, we have to know who we are. Yeah? 
I want to I end with this. Blessing equals favor in the kingdom. So in the Old Testament, it was blessing. In the, new, in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, it's called favor. Did you know that our favor with God can grow or diminish? Like this is, this is for those that are operating right now in your identity and you're working towards your, your purpose and, and, and blessing in your life. See, Matthew, uh, in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, it says, And Jesus increased in his wisdom and in his stature, and he grew in favor with both God and with man. How do we grow in blessing or favor with God? We steward what we already have. It's the whole key to everything. And I have to end with this because he wants to give you a new name today. He wants to give you an inheritance and he wants to release to you what belongs to you. But then he also wants to release into your heart an ability to steward what you have so that it can increase. See, in Isaiah, it says the increase of God's government and of his kingdom, there'll be no end to it. It never stays the same. It's always getting better, always increasing, always the value of it is always going up. So everything that's about God is supposed to be increasing, gaining, becoming better, becoming stronger, becoming more fruitful. That's, if we're connected to the kingdom, that's what we're connected to, right? And so the Lord wants us to grow in the blessing and in the favor that we already have. The way we do that is we're obedient and we steward what we have at this present moment. The time has come for us to know who we are in Christ and to put a demand on the blessing upon our life. Now, now today I really wanted to, to preach on it. We've kind of hit on this around it for the last few weeks in different ways. But as a church, when we're moving, it's a big deal that we have a new identity. It's a big deal that something shifts in the way we view ourselves. Like a couple of weeks ago, I think we hit, you know, the sin, I think it was last Sunday, the sin nature, or it's two Sundays ago. The sin nature isn't the issue. It's our affections that are the issue. Like, we're not sinners anymore. We're, we're righteous. We can still sin. It still works. <laughs> the sin button in our life still works. But we're not sinners. Right? Some of you, you grew up in really rough homes. Right? How many have ever had a fear, man, I'm becoming just like my dad? Oh, I'm doing just what my mom did. Those fears are the enemy trying to put an identity on you. Because if he can tell you that's who you are, he knows you will act out what you believe you are. And I, I want to put a stop to it. I don't like, I hate when people go through stuff that they don't have to go through. It really bothers me. I am, I'm one of those people, when, when someone is, is a victim and something evil is happening to them, I want to defend them. I'm the guy that would always, if I got in a fight in school, it was not because I picked on somebody or because I ran my mouth. It's because I jumped in to help somebody else. That's just how I am. That's, that's what I'm about. I don't like to see people bullied. And I feel right now that there are people in the room, you're being bullied. You're being lied to. Words in your head, thoughts in your head, people telling you things about you and giving, trying to put an identity on you that doesn't line up with what God says about you. And it makes me angry. And I want that to shift today because there's a blessing waiting for you. There's a favor that God has allotted for you. He's set aside for you. That's just for you. That's tailor-made for you. That will make you happier than you could ever imagine. And the enemy doesn't want you to know that. We've said this many times, but there's two things Satan wants more than anything. He doesn't want you to know who God is. And he doesn't want you to know who you are.
he can keep you from those two things, he's one. Everybody okay? Why don't you stand? Look good, Jody. I, I just want to ask it like this. How many are hearing you say, hey, I've had something attacking me lately trying to put an identity or a label on me that's not true? Just raise your hand right where you're at. Yeah. The Lord is jealous for your true identity. Like he would do any. He's the, he's the one jumping in right now to defend you. Like he's jealous for your identity. He hates, he hates the enemy trying to crush who you really are. And so I just want you to pray right now. Ask God for his help. He's our defender. Come on, just ask him if, if that's you and you've been struggling in that. Just say, God, help. I need your help. God, I ask right now that you would come and just send help. Shut up the, the liar, <laughs> the accuser of the brethren, the one who comes and accuses us and says things about us that aren't true. God, I ask that you would help us to hear the truth and not believe lies any longer. I ask that today our identity would be connected to heaven rather than experiences we've had here on this planet. Lord, I ask that you would shift the things we believe about ourselves. I ask that you change our, our, our concept of who we are. I ask that in the next few days and weeks and months that everyone would go on a journey of discovering who you say we are. Lord, and now as our name begins to shift and change, as you begin to call that name to us, the new name, I ask that increase and inheritance and blessing would follow, that things would go well for people, Lord, that things would turn around, God. Amen. I really feel like I need to hit this one more from another angle real quick. <clears throat> Where was Moses raised? Whose house was he raised in? Pharaoh's palace. Was Moses really a king or was he born into a kingly home? No. His family wasn't kings. They weren't kings. They were good people, but they weren't kings. But when the, the king issued a decree to kill all the babies two and under, Moses' mom, to protect him, put him in a basket and sent him down the river. And one of Pharaoh's daughters found this baby and immediately fell in love with him, took him as her own. You read the whole story. It's really unique and, and interesting. I don't want to get into the whole story. But Moses grew up thinking he was a king, not thinking he was a peasant. Hello? So one day he walks out and he sees two people fighting. And he gets angry because there's an injustice taking place. And he kills one of the guys that are fighting. He's in defense. He kills one of the guys. I don't want to talk about that part right now. But what I want to talk about is what motivated him to step in. He was a king in his heart. 
You can tell how close you are to the king's palace by how we react to injustice. When things aren't the way they should be, if we get stirred up inside of us, it's the closer we get to God, the more wrong things will stir us up. Where we're like, I have to do something. I have to intervene. How many have watched any of those new shows? I don't. I can't even think of the name of it. Or, Or what would you do, or something like that where they have those scenarios. How many people just walk by when there's chaos going on? They don't want to get involved. They don't want to jump in. You know what I've noticed? The people that jump in think very highly of themselves. The people that jump in have a sense of justice. It says, no, this is wrong, and I was raised where this isn't okay. I can do something about it. You are in a kingdom. You are not, you are not peasants and servants And we're not lowly servants of God. We are sons and daughters. We eat at the king's table. As a matter of fact, when the enemy comes into the room to try to try to hurt us, God prepares a feast in front of him to make him jealous. You're king's kids. You're you're better than you think you are. You have access to more than you think you have access to. Your prayers move heaven more than you think they do. You're not insignificant. And as a church, we have to shift our thinking. We are significant. There is something inside of us that's valuable. And that comes from our identity being connected to the Father. We're king's children. And whenever we realize we're king's children, things of the world have zero appeal to us any longer because we're eating from a table of divine food. Knowing who we are in Christ will change our behavior. Because conviction will say, hey, you're a king's kid. You're you're too good to do that thing. If you're still hearing this, you're never going to get things right. You're an addict. You're always going to struggle with If you're hearing that, you're not close enough to the king's table. Because the king doesn't say that about you. He doesn't call you an addict. He doesn't call you a failure. He doesn't call you promiscuous. He doesn't call you anything you feel. Get and sit at the king's table and hear what he has to say about you. I can't get away from this. I feel it so strong. I'm I'm spiritually frustrated for our church because we haven't learned this yet. We are king's children. We are raised in the palace where different rules apply. Man, a couple of weeks ago, Paul sent me an email that made me, or text message that made me happier than anything can make me. Felisa's blood pressure had jumped up real high, and he sent me a text, hey, we got to pray. And within like a couple of minutes, he sends me a text message, and he's like, hey, I went and prayed, and I said, I want her blood pressure to drop 100 points, and it happened instantly. And I was so happy because I said, look at you, Paul. You're defending your home. I think my, my exact words are, look at you taking care of your baby. Paul stood up and says, this isn't okay. I'm a king's kid. I have access to heaven and eternity. And this is going on. I can't let it go on because I knew who I am. And Paul touched heaven for his wife. Everyone in this room, you can touch heaven. It's not a priest that can touch heaven. It's not a worship pastor. It's not a a person who's walked with God for 30 years. You're king's kids. The day you said yes, you sit at the same table with everyone else. Is everyone hearing me now? You're, you're better than you think you are. You have access to more than you think you have access to. The things that are going on in your life that aren't Jesus' will for your life, you can do something about it. 
Amen. Father, I just ask you to drive that home in our hearts right now. That you would just stir this, this thing I'm feeling, Lord, and it's in the room. I ask that you would stir it up in our hearts. That there would be a righteous anger that comes up and says, No, the king has made provision for more than what we're experiencing. Let's demand to see it. Let's put a demand on it. God, I ask that you would stir that in our hearts now. That we would be frustrated with injustice when we know that there's peace and heaven waiting to, to turn things around. God, I ask that you would stir up every family in this room. That the priests of their home would step up and say, No, I, I'm a priest of this home and my wife's not going to be sick and I put a stop to this now. God, I ask that that same thing that Paul experienced, that we would all experience in our homes. That when evil comes comes in that we would step up and say no we can't allow this to happen it's illegal for this thing to happen in my home it's illegal for my marriage to be torn apart it's illegal for my children to walk away from God it's illegal for my finances to crumble it's illegal for for me to to hate myself any longer It's a new day, Lord. It's a new day. We have a new name, new identity. From this day forward. <clears throat> Has anyone ever been to the circus and seen the elephants before? How do they keep the elephants in their, in their area? Like that thing could do anything. That, have you ever seen when elephants, elephants attack on YouTube and they go jumping up in the stands and going crazy? What they do is when that baby elephant is born, they tie a rope to the ground and to the elephant that's like whatever length they want it to be, 10 feet, 15 feet. And that elephant can only walk in that circle around that peg in 15 feet. They do it from the time it's little. So as it grows, they keep it there. They keep it there as it grows and grows. 15 feet circle. When that thing reaches maturity, because it's lived that way its whole life, they take the rope off and the elephant will only go inside of that area that has been trained that it's okay for him to go into. It's true. And I feel what's happened is many of you, from the time you were little, the enemy put you inside of a cage and today the Lord wants you to know that the rope's been removed, but not just the rope, but the barrier that you feel that was there has been taken away. You're free. We sang about the first song this morning, you're free. It's over. Don't just walk around in a circle because that's what you've always done. It's time to get outside and to experience what's out there. All right? Amen? I just want you to pray for someone close to you, and that's how we're going to end everything today. Yep, just find someone close. Just pray for them. Let God pray through you. Lord, we break the lies. We break the addiction. We break the chains today, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You can be faithful. <laughs> you can be hard worker. You can be generous. You can be trusted. That's what God says today.
you can hear God's voice and you can obey him. Jesus. You can have a great marriage. Your marriage isn't beyond repair. Your friendship with your your father is not beyond repair. Your relationship with your boss is not beyond repair. You have a future. You have hope. Sickness isn't in God's plan for you. Disease isn't in his plan. Dialysis is not in God's plan for you, Felice. It's not his plan for you. High blood pressure is not God's plan for you. Anger is not God's plan for your life. Addiction is not God's plan for your life. Loneliness is not God's plan for your life. Anytime you hear that voice try to put that old identity on you, you have to tell it to shut up. And then you, begin, you have to begin to speak with your mouth who God says that you are. Everyone hear that? So when those lies come, tell it to shut up and begin to speak what God says about you. The second thing is you need to hang around people that love God. Hello? Hang around people that love God. Here's why. Because when people love God, they see what God sees. And when you come into a room, they're going to see what God sees in you regardless of behavior. And it's called the culture of honor. And it will cause us to have a better life. So you hang around people that love God. They will, they will always remind you of who your true identity is. People that don't love God will always try to tell you what your false identity is. I don't mean not to have unbelieving friends. Absolutely. I have a lot of friends that are unbelievers. It doesn't bother me. But they don't create my identity. Amen? I know who I am. Amen? Matt, you want to close things out for us? Thanks, man. Here's your keys. Thank you. There you go. Okay. Uh, so this week, our job is to change our Facebook status. Yeah? <laughs> right? It's funny, earlier when Jonathan was talking, he was said, you know, um, he was reading Jer- from Jeremiah, and he said, if you, you seek me and you'll find me, and I will be found. And I'm thinking, that's, that's when God changes his Facebook status to found by Jody. <laughs> so now it's time for us to change our status, right? So before we were one way, but now we're the way God wants us to be. And it's not so much that we have to change i mean we do but the bigger thing is we have to realize that we're changing we have to realize that god is working in us and that we're becoming new people every day god's doing something new inside of us and and so the hard part is not being a new creation because god did that for you the hard part is realizing oh i'm a new creation so every day this week think about that when you wake up in the morning 
Let's just see if we can do it seven days in a row. Wake up in the morning, okay, I'm different today than I was yesterday because God's still at work inside of me. So whatever I do today is going to be different than what I did yesterday. However I see the world today is going to be different than how I saw the world yesterday. And if we can at least win that battle of thinking that way, watch what God does. Watch what God does. Half the battle is just getting the scales off of our eyes so that we can see what he's doing from moment to moment to moment. Right? How many of you guys are going to stick around to cook on the grill? If you can, stick around. That's like, you know, he was just saying, hang around people, godly people, and they'll help you know your new identity, your true identity. Uh, so stick around. Um, how many of you guys are planning to come to Collide tonight? Hey, Kyle, can you put that graphic up? The Collide graphic. How many of you guys are planning to come to Collide tonight? Man, let me tell you, you know, we call it Collide for a reason. <laughs> it's like a collision. You know, when we come in here, it's time to, to go after God. And God knows the appointment. He didn't forget the date. So he comes after us. And it's really good. It's really good. So come to Collide. Uh, come with the mindset of, I'm, I'm going to be impacted. And, and you will be. It's great. It's like a little corporate prayer closet almost. Like, you know, we get our music going, and we get our prayer time going, and there's always painting going on. And, you know, people are just being themselves and going after God. And, man, come and join us. The more people, the better. Um, I think that's all the business to take care of. Okay. We love you guys. Be blessed. Have a great week.